is that there is no lack of trying to find information. It is more of how do you now interpret it and how do you understand if it's true or not true? Now, like Dan said, maybe we get to Terminator age and that's where things go. And at some point, but right now, you having the ability to understand information and know what where it is true and where it is not and where it should be applied and understanding the nuance, that's why you have an advisor, hmm. right? That is a reason because any, like I've, I've looked at chat GPT, I've done it. It's pretty cool. It can write some stuff, but I keep going back to, but then what do I do? Then what's next? How does this question, this one question relate to everything else that may be at play within my financial life? Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your hosts, myself, Tim Bickmore, and I got my colleague here, Dan Weiss. And today we're going to talk about robots. We're going to talk about robots. Robots today. We're going to talk about robots today. Or has other people maybe, you know, presented it, robo-advisors, robo, right? Which, again, short term for robot. But we want to talk about robo-advising. And robo-advising from an asset management standpoint, but also robo-advising from a financial planning. A lot of people may have seen recently, ChatGPT has come out, revolutionizing potentially a lot of industries. And our industry happens to be one of those that people have talked about. And how can you get more information, more insights directly to the end client? Um, There's been a lot of robo-advising in our industry in general. So you have applications such as Wealthfront that be considered a robo-advisor. Personal Capital, I was considered a robo-advisor. Um, and those type of applications. And a lot of people have said, is it the death of the advisor and what is going to happen? And I think, Dan, I want to have a conversation around it just because it's kind of stirred its way back up with some of this newer technology, artificial intelligence or machine learning, and then what that could do to us. Plus, we don't get a lot of time anymore to jump on podcasts together. So this is kind of a nice little break for us for 40 minutes. Um, maybe a I mean, robo-advising has been around since 2010, Betterment being the first place on um, on the robo-platform. Front. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people are confused as to what, what robo-advising actually is. Should we start there? Yeah. I think the best way that I would explain it is you have to separate on what robo-advising we're talking about. Because mm-hmm. when people think of robo-advisors, they think of the Betterments, the personal capitals, the wealth fronts. And really what you're probably talking more about is robo-advising from an asset management perspective, right? How can uh, a algorithms or other things make it more efficient for me to trade, make allocations to a portfolio or do it on my behalf without having a human in the quote unquote loop. And, but really what those platforms are driven to be are more on the asset management side. They do have typically some applications that have like, Hey, you can connect your accounts. You can see what's going on. Kind of a mint like experience, but a lot of their uh, robo-ness is coming from putting up portfolios. So for example, setting up an allocation in a portfolio or doing tax loss harvesting on your behalf in an automated way. 
so that you remove the need for example an advisor to help you with that you can now just have technology do it on your behalf so i think when people talk about robo advising in our industry from like a layman's perspective that's where they're typically talking um which i think there's a bigger broader you know conversation about that with again chat gpt and other things that have come out but right now that's probably where people uh kind of hit on it and i should also mention that it it lowers fees. That's why it's beneficial. Um, it improves accessibility and potentially objectivity, which I think would be interesting to your take on the objectivity, Dan, um, because there is no human emotions tied to it. It's just doing baby an algorithm. But as we all know, as a warning, algorithms were built by humans, so they can also be flawed just as much as humans. But it's a side conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's what people are probably kind of coming at from a robo advising standpoint. Where am I going with this? I I think that there's probably a lot still to come from this from a future standpoint as to what what these pieces look like. I mean, I my my personal feeling on a lot of this tech is although I think from an industry standard it does lower fees. It does. It really does. Um, not always the case. I think sometimes it's a given, but I don't know that it is. I mean, for I example, mean, you know, from an asset management standpoint, we you know we we're charging 025 percent to index correct so yeah. that's may not be that much cheaper in a lot of these cases but that's also because our you know other there are other components to what we do that comes through and most if, if we're talking just a pure asset manager it probably is a lot cheaper and that's why people are doing x y and z yeah i mean now that i think about it you know and th- this might be a, a hot take or a cold take on how you want to take it is Maybe uh, John Bogle back in the day was the original robo advisor making indexation happen. Like, you know, you kind of stripped out the advisor and said, don't allow them to be active in which they trade in that portfolio and just match an index and follow it, which is very automated like. <laughs> you know, Scoot, I, I guess me personally, because what what the hell, I'm just going to go off on a tangent. <laughs> sure. That, that's <laughs> always kind of been my issue with it, honestly, is twofold, which one I know we're going to get into, which is robo it advising I, I, we you and i've talked i don't know what i'd call it advising robo asset management automation and, maybe uh, automation sure and robo financial planning are very separate things where i think we can get behind more so the concept of robo asset asset managing uh more so than yeah. which we'll talk about but to me i the part that's always kind of just turned in my head is if it, it, it's you know it's cheaper <laughs> If that's the case, if you want to just index, it's just cheaper than to go to a platform like Bogle Creative, like Vanguard, and then just index and not pay a tech platform a cost to do that for you. And I know that the argument is, well, the that platform will adjust things from time to time. Yep. Um, and that they'll do things like tax loss harvesting. Correct. Um, which... For those of you who may not know, this means that there's that this platform or advisors selling assets at the end of the year to create tax losses to offset gains. Um, a concept that we hear about all the time that doesn't always make sense. In fact, I think a lot of times it's used as kind of um, a um, selling tactic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and I don't know that it makes sense for everybody or that the impact is that great. A lot of times we dig into this and the impact is just not there, mm-hmm. but it sounds awesome. So people will throw it out there. And the same the same goes with um, with with basically the adjustments. It may not make sense to make adjustments. And again, like Tim said, this is an algorithm. 
it's doing. It's not, it does not have a full capacity of thought and it's still created by a woman or a man behind it. Therefore there's error in that. So I frankly am more uncomfortable with it probably making changes, not knowing what's going there, as opposed to just saying, I'm going to buy the entire market and let it ride for 30 years and allow that investment to grow. This has been my own personal issue, I think, with it to begin with, is do having pain to have those changes happen without someone actually talking to you about what the change impacts you directly. And also, if the tax loss harvesting makes impact and makes sense, in my mind, that's actually what you're paying the fee for, because the rest of this you can get by simply going to a platform and just buying into an index. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll, I'll use actually you as a great example. And I think you talk about this all the time, not in the sense of Dan thinks I'm going to talk about his technology inaptness. No, um, I'm actually going to say that Dan talks a lot about from the standpoint of um, what are you going to do with the money, right? Is it then dependent on what you're going to do with the construction of those funds? Financial planning is the realm to get to the investment management answer. And I think people start with it backwards and start with the investment management questions and then work their way into financial planning, where we are big believers that you need to start with financial planning to get to your investment Mm -hmm. management answers. And in order to do financial planning, it's not that simple because what is happening, I think, to articulate a little bit further on Dan's comments is that portfolio right, is an isolated point within a comprehensive plan. So if you only isolate and say, hey, I'm going to run it this way and only look at one portfolio, maybe you have four, it could be actually wrongly allocated depending on how comprehensive you're actually looking at that picture. And then it could be even further wrong or allocated if you don't have planning that goes behind the intention of these accounts. Yes, I don't like that. Which can be difficult. And for a platform to understand that, it it probably just doesn't exist today because you have to have interactions with an individual, a human to interpret that information to then help guide it. But what they can do is once they have the quote unquote answer, then all the automation that's happening, the the tax loss harvesting, the rebalancing of the accounts can all come into action. That creates efficiencies to be able to scale that across a platform or for people, which is great. And I think Dan and I are both on board with that. Even on our back end, there's different things and technology stacks that we can use to create enhancements and efficiencies to be able to help more and more people. Um, But to have it do it, what the sole purpose is, is kind of making a mistake. So we're not necessarily against it, but we're not necessarily for it in the way that it's being necessarily applied or projected out into the overall community of people and that's and that's really where it it is a is a balancing act so not too hot not too cold but just depends on how it's it always comes down to the nuance and how the application is really going to work mm-hmm. um which is which is difficult and i think to to you know add on to that where it becomes hard right as we see a lot of people who go to these robo advisors and then they'll come to us and we'll run them through the process and then the the answer usually is like oh wow my my uh, my robo-advisor really doesn't do that much. And I think that's a wrong interpretation in the sense that your robo-advisor doing exactly what it was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing, which is going into more depth and seeing how this, this complex puzzle piece all works together to provide the best recommendation and advice that we can to then help give intention to those accounts. And that intention typically can lead to behavioral change and different things to, to actually kind of progress within your financial uh, journey. 
um, which is which is interesting. People just think it's a easy one and done solve the problem, and I think it's just a, a misunderstanding. And, and the misunderstanding comes from the marketing side of robo advisors as well. Yeah, the AI is really advancing quickly, but it's the EI that worries me. And the uh, EI, you got to got to explain your acronyms here. I'm talking about the the emotional intelligence um, of of something like this. Whereas, for example, there are benefits from an asset side, I think, in removing that emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. But from the planning side of things, I think that's a detriment that it's very, I think it's impossible to do financial planning without an understanding of the emotional component because you won't grasp the qualitative elements and that's what it's really about. So uh, I'm sure that maybe somebody will figure out some components someday as to how to apply, take this application like you're talking about, apply it to planning. But as it stands today, I don't, I don't see that in the scope when having to understand what those different people, I don't know, I just don't know how you remove a human and their experience from that component at this point. Yeah. And I mean, I think Dan, you're hitting on like a really good points in the sense of there is a lack of personalization to a very high degree. There's a lack of empathy, right? And that is what Dan is saying. I think there is a reason to remove empathy or remove emotion from certain things, but there's also a huge component. And I think when we're looking at it as chat GPT has come out and said, Hey, it's going to revolutionize advisors and what's going on. That's great. Like it can enhance our business, I think, for sure. And I think it will, but will it remove us from the position in which we're in? The answer is no, because there isn't a machine today that can have an emotional intelligence or an emotional quotient that can understand people, right? Because when I was talking with another advisor today and our biggest job is to try to invoke behavioral change. And that has nothing to do with your asset allocation. It has nothing to do with your emergency fund amount. It has nothing to do with how much is in your 401k. It has all to do with what is your personality like? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? How do we adjust when thing, when those things change, right? How do we communicate to you in a way that you can grasp and understand because this topic is not an easy topic. Financial literacy is low in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to understand. So how do we communicate to that, this information to you appropriately so that you can actually go ahead and make these changes to implement a plan? Because Dan and I can put, cut, put together some really awesome plans, but if you don't execute on it, if the end client doesn't execute on it, then it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have anything. Now, now we're just at a loss, right? And so that's where, yes, maybe chat GPT as an example can produce, hey, I want to know about X. Great. It's going to tell you about X. You could Google it. You could search it. You could read in a book. Now, my question is, is now what do you do with that information? How do you move forward? And then how do you tie it into everything else that is comprehensive? Because again, if Dan wants to buy a new house, we can isolate that question and ask chat GPT if he should. And it will produce an answer, but will that answer then produce, well, Dan, I also know that you really want to give assets to your child. I also know that, you know, we've talked a lot about a house and it's not something that you really want to do. And it really, what you really want to do is maybe change your career, right? And I can know that because I've had interactions with Dan. I know Dan, I understand Dan. And then I can start communicating with him to start being aware of the decision that he's trying to make. And then what's awesome is we can use all of this AI machine learning 
to help promote that awareness from a quantitative perspective. Mm -hmm. That's the power behind it is it's going to enhance what we can do more than anything and make us probably more valuable than actually derail us as a profession. And uh, uh, one of our clients called called me Friday uh, late afternoon. You bring up the house thing and she wants to potentially sell her house mm-hmm. in LA and buy something in a different uh, adjacent neighborhood. Um, and uh, she loves the house. She loves it. So if you ask the question, can she do this? The answer is yes. Should she do this? I don't know. She's not looking at the value that she thought she was going to get, um, which has been surprising to her. So she actually thought she'd have leftover cash. She may not, funny enough. But the reason, it doesn't ask the reason why. The reason is because she's having an issue with strangers coming up to her door because she's on a busy street on a corner. And so is this is great that she can get the house and maybe figure out how to do it. But are we asking, should she, or should she just put up a, a fence um, in a better security system? And does that solve her issue? And it may not because you're now asking a question of security and safety, right? Which has, is that value? Can we, can we put a dollar value on that? It, I think we can to an extent, but not without talking it out. Exactly. Which you can probably get to it, but you have to then understand what's dri- what is really driving the decision. And the decision is not to make more money. No. The decision is to provide more safety. First thing she asked me was, am I, am I overreacting? And um, I don't know that she's overreacting. No. She's worried about the safety of her and her son. Uh, that doesn't seem overreacting to me. But let's look at it. But there's different ways to to take a look at the situation, right? Yep. I don't know. Until robots can feel... <laughs> feel that um right i just don't I, I think they remain to be calculators which is useful but again extremely useful it's how we apply this right like you were saying so i don't know i, I always joke with tim we were before this podcast too i just don't think terminator is that far away <laughs> yeah i mean and i would disagree i think it's pretty far away after reading some books on artificial intelligence but overall i think that you need a human in the loop. So if anyone's ever taken a deep dive into certain technology, there always seems to be an accuracy, right? And then, and a, a filter. And part of that filter sometimes through technology is putting a human in the loop, creating these uh, tasks or these errors saying like, hey, we may have missed something. The machine may have missed this. Can you please verify it? Which again is exponentially going to increase the efficiency of whatever you're trying to produce as a technology because you're going to limit the amount of human interaction. A lot of it's going to be machine driven. It's going to learn for itself, all that great stuff. But that's pretty much what our job is, is we're the human in the loop. Mm-hmm. But what I think that we haven't addressed is like our industry from a tech standpoint, we're pretty much human in the loop, human in the loop, human in the loop. And we need more machine learning and artificial intelligence to actually enhance our jobs, to actually be able to scale a business, which is true financial planning into the masses. And in order to do that, we actually need this technology and it can become more equitable. It can become more available to many people and it can still be a scalable enterprise for people like ourselves. Because what we do is very is comprehensive and it's very um, laborious in a lot of ways. And that's where machines can actually help us grow our business and become more in tune with matching the qualitative with quantitative. So for me, where I sit, I love it. I think this is super exciting. I'm like, bring it on. Bring as much technology our way as possible because now we can scale an efficient business that's hyper-customized, hyper-appropriate to the individual, and that's where you can really start getting to more behavioral change. But what we want to be is the one that are driving the communication of this information. 
and saying, hey, how can we communicate to this you appropriately? And that's where I think you will never really see a true robo financial planning, right? But you are going to see a hybrid where you can see a lot of automation within what you're interacting, but then call that person up who's also interacting with this information and be like, hey, Dan, there's strangers coming to my house. I think I want to sell my house. What do I do? And what does this look like? And then we can use all that machine stuff to say like, hey, this is where we're at. We can do a couple of modeling. And now this is what I want to present back to you. And here's what we're thinking. And as Dan said, we could probably dial in pretty close of like, this is what it costs for this security. And, and to, to you, is that a trade-off that you'd like to make? Because there's no wrong or right answer. It's just an awareness answer. Are you aware of the decision you're making and how you're going to make it and what the potential impact may be? Yeah, I joke a lot, but these are really useful tools. They, yeah. they really are. Um, and you know, everybody else in the firm must have used them, just not me, but they are very useful tools and, uh, and definitely should be embraced. They just, but they're just not the answer in itself in its entirety. No, I, I think that they robo advising or robo financial planning or robo anything is misinterpreted saying that it's going to be completely automated. And the only thing that people don't want to recognize, it's just automating the business processes to get to these answers, Mm -hmm. but it's not automating an advisor because an advisor is a is a human in the loop. And so how do we actually create more technology to create us to do what we're really driven to do, which yeah. is understand the technical and communicate it back to our clients. Frankly, I think we need actually more human interaction when it comes to the to financial advising, more personalization, more customization. And I know that the only way to actually do that is to create use technology to create efficiencies elsewhere so that people have the time and the insight to be able to do that. So it's not a matter of eliminating one or the other. It's it's more a matter of figuring out how they best work together for your benefit. And Correct. that's what our industry is really kind of missing. It's <laughs> not the fact that, oh, you can do this or that. It's the fact that people aren't fully understanding the importance to embrace that. Yes, I agree. Dude. Yeah, I agree. I think my final thought on this would be, I, I'm going to take it back, back to the old school where... I remember in elementary, mostly it was elementary school, where we learned how to look up books in the library. And you probably remember this better than I do. Thanks. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Calm down out here. But yeah, cataloging. Yes. Right. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah. And then like, but looking like, how do you find a dictionary? How do you find things to look, to look up information? Right. That's what we did in elementary school, in like the sixth grade, because that's, if you were to write a paper, you needed to know how to do that. Right. You fast forward to today and you want to talk to a sixth grader about finding information. And, and, and now the question is, how do you actually dictate what information they can get to? Because they can get to everything, right? Mm-hmm. There's no longer this idea that we can't get to information. And I think that what is going to be even more beneficial for adv- people and advisors in our space or in, in even other, other industries is that there is no lack of trying to find information. It is more of how do you now interpret it and how do you understand if it's true or not true, right? Now it's, that's the age in which we are in. We are not in, we are in the information age and now we're in the age of interpretation and understanding, hmm. which right now, based off where technology is, it it cannot do that. It can maybe learn how to pull information from different areas and put it together but it's also not going to have a full-blown conversation. It's not going to tie it back to multiple things. It's not going to do that yet. Now, like Dan said, maybe we get to Terminator age and that's where things go. 
and at some point, but right now, you having the ability to understand information and know what where it is true and where it is not and where it should be applied and understanding the nuance, that's why you have an advisor, hmm. right? That is a reason because any, like I've, I've looked at chat GPT, I've done it. It's pretty cool. It can write some stuff, but I keep going back to, but then what do I do? Then what's next? How does this question, this one question relate to everything else that may be at play within my financial life? And it can be very dangerous to create isolation. You really have to see it in a full picture to know, because once you throw a pebble into that pond, it will ripple across the water. That's what's going to happen if you say, hey, chat GPT, tell me everything to know about 529 plans. That's great but it's not going to ask if your grandparents have funded a 529 plan or have you talked to those other grandparents that are also thinking about doing it. Right. And it's also not going to talk about, Hey, what happens if your kids don't go to school? Right. That's not going to continue to ask these questions or, Hey, you really just can't do this at this moment. It doesn't mean we can't do it later. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where you can start getting the, I'm a big believer that advisors need more information. We still have access to all of it and then allow us to do our jobs, which is the machines can say, Hey, here's all this cool stuff. Now go tell your client what should they should pay attention to. We still answer the phone. It's just, we don't answer it like this anymore. We answer it like this now. Correct. But it still has the kids will say, we still do. That's the kids would say, yeah. well, or this. I'm not going to get your headphones. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I'll never be there. No, maybe not. But, but I do actually, uh, I, I do Venmo now. Hey, Dan Venmos. We're moving forward. A little bit. I don't like it, but I can do it. So tidbit. Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, I think that's probably the end of our mm -hmm. robo talk. Definitely. Uh, thank everybody for, uh, thank you for everyone for joining us today and talking about robots and robo advisors and the fun. And Dan, Dan is getting there. He's Venmoing everybody. So let's all give him a clap and we'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you. Like, like and subscribe. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry to determine which investments, broker-dealer, or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore & Weiss Wealth Management LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore & Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore & Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.